Hello, and welcome to episode 45 of Design EDU Today, the podcast series discussing what is necessary to be a successful designer in a contemporary, screen-based, interactive world. I am your host, Gary Rosance, Assistant Professor of Graphic Design at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. In this episode, we will be discussing the different approaches to teaching web and interactive design within a traditional graphic design program. We go into specifics on the difficulties of finding the right balance between teaching visual design, front-end development, and user experience within a limited number of credits, and finish up the conversation discussing just how many classes would be ideal to teach the three distinct but interrelated disciplines. Today's guest is Lauren Miranda. Lauren works as an assistant professor of graphic design at Judson University. She has a Master's of Design in Graphic Design from the University of Illinois at Chicago and a BFA in Visual Communication from Northern Illinois University. During graduate school, she attended the summer design workshops at Basel School of Design. Lauren also runs a multidisciplinary design practice specializing in projects for cultural institutions, social activism, civic engagement, and public memory through experimental media, collaborative storytelling, and interactive design for physical spaces. Her work has been featured at the Hull House Museum, in the Chicago Design Archive, Typeforce, and the Chicago Design Museum's Distortion Social. She presented her research on memorial design at the AIGA Design Educators Conference in 2014 and is presented on the formation of a student design in nature retreat for Judson University at TypeCon last August. Lauren has been an active member of AIGA Chicago since 2007, serving on the board of AIGA Chicago as education co-chair since 2016 and has been leading the Judson University AIGA student group for the past three years. Lauren has a passion for the intersection of design, education, and social engagement and hopes to pass this love along to the next generation of designers. She also really loves the Chicago Bulls. Welcome, Lauren. Hi. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. No problem. Yeah. So, it's an honor. Oh, I'm glad. All right. So <laughs> my first question, I'm just going to jump right in. Uh, you have been teaching a course called Web Design One at Jensen University for about three or four years now. Uh, before we talk about the course in particular, can you tell the listeners how it fits into the overall design curriculum at Judson? Yes. So Judson, just a little background, is a very small private liberal arts college in the suburbs of Chicago. And so it's we have about 60 students total in graphic design from freshman through senior year. So not very many students. And when I got there, they had been... Um, the graphic design program had basically been run by adjuncts with, who had really just spearheaded a pretty decent program for being part-time faculty. Not really, it's not really their jo job to develop a program, but they did a really great job and wanted to include web design in the four-year plan for the students. And so it was actually started by the adjuncts at the school, um, telling the department they need to have web design. Um, 
the way it was taught before I got there was basically just how a website looks. They did a little bit about, um, you know, in Dreamweaver where you can just make boxes and it appears. Um, but, uh, when I got there, I wanted to, you know, ramp it up a little bit and have more of a web focus or a digital focus. Cause it was the only digital class that they had in the entire program. It is mostly up until that point based in, uh, design fundamentals. So they have, you know, how rhythm tension and balance and things like that. And then print work, um, how to design a layout for a magazine or, you know, branding projects. So this is their first digital media course in the program. That's pretty much the same everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just, just the, um, so you also have been teaching web design too for about the same length of time. So where Mm -hmm. does that now fit in to the continuum So that was my pet project was to get them to have a web two program or web two course. And, um, I adjuncted at the school for a year before I came on full time. And that was my request when I came on full time is we need to have a web two class because, Mm. uh, they're not getting enough digital media. If this is the only course that they have in their four years, it's not enough. And so, Web two came out of just that need and the name is only there because it is based on the prerequisite of web design one. And it was easier to pass that through the system than to be like, this is, you know, digital product design or, you know, trying to think of a name, um, because nobody would understand what that meant. So it's web one and web two and, I can teach whatever I want. <laughs> it's pretty great. All right. So I, I, I want to, you did something smart that I wish I would have thought of. And that was like, make it a requirement to the, your hiring. Cause that's the only time as an educator you have leverage is they offer you the position. Then you can like, you know, <laughs> negotiate money. You can, you, that's when you, that's the only moment that you have leverage. And so right. anybody out there, just tuck that way in the back of your brain that when you, <laughs> if you change jobs or, you know, you're going into a new um, teaching position, just think, take a good, long, hard look at that curriculum and, and say to yourself, what do you need? What kind of changes do you need to make? And there's a good chance that you could make them at that point. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, kind of build that into the contract. All right. right. So <laughs> you answered my next question, uh, which is that. The web one was, you know, you walked into it and web two, you um, built from scratch. Mm -hmm. So how much did you revamp in that first web one course? So I basically scrapped everything that the other that was being taught Mm -hmm. and based it off of a course that was being taught at the school I went at UIC where I went to grad school. Mm -hmm. So this was the curriculum as it started was based off of, um, their web class. And it was first learning basic coding. What is H what is HTML? What is Mm -hmm. CSS? Um, how do you make something 
visually what you intended it to be. Um, and then moving into, okay, now we're going to think about web as a format for communicating a message or communicating content. And how do you make it the most clear um, through hierarchy and interactivity? And then building into uh, different media receipt, like uh, form. So through your phone or through a tablet or through your computer and creating responsive websites. So basically having a progressive revelation of content dealing with web. Um, and it's pretty quick, but everything builds on one another um, from learning out how to, uh, you know, write an HTML document in the first place through then in the, the last part of the class, they hack WordPress sites. And so mm -hmm. it just goes, um, it's a quick run through of basics of web in case they didn't take web too, that they would yeah. have a basic understanding of it. Um, this is an unscripted question. So I'm, I might be throwing you for a loop or not, but I, so when I first started uh, teaching web, I was like very heavy HTML, CSS. I'd throw in JavaScript and heck, if like the class was up to it, I'd even throw in just like, you know, a little bit of PHP. So mm -hmm. it really was web development, not mm -hmm. web design. And so yeah. then I started doing this podcast and then I, I came to the like, eh, you know what, how much do they really need to know how to code? You know, being a unicorn's great, but it's mm -hmm. you're sacrificing the visual design to now, like over the past maybe month, I've really been like soul searching on it. And I'm like, do they even really need to know any HTML and CSS <laughs> up to the and And I'm going to uh, clarify that by I, I think they need to like when you when you create a poster, when you're staring mm -hmm. at it on the computer screen. The typography is looks beautiful. The the elements are properly spaced on the computer screen. You print that thing out full size and look at it, and it's off. You need mm -hmm. to readjust it. So I'm wonder. I'm starting now to get to the to the point where I think all they need to know is like if they can get something into CodePen, so they can you know look at the typography on the screen, and then if you got it in CodePen, then you can look at that pen on you know, mm -hmm. any plethora of devices, you know, if they could just like quickly make a three column grid or a four column grid with their content in it and play around with the screen and identify where it gets uncomfortable and then say, okay, that's where I need to make a, you know, a, a media query or, you know, you know, a, a break. Mm -hmm. Is that enough? <laughs> Sorry for the rambling <laughs> thing there. Right. So I think in some instances it is right if they're going to be working in a large firm mm -hmm. or a large environment where they have developers that can do that for them then and they never need to touch code then that would be fine but i also know that i have students that want to work in maybe small in-house design teams or want to start their own small um, studios and it's helpful for them to be able to have basic understanding so they can go in and update somebody else's work or um, you know somebody else's code or how we do in our last project, which is hacking WordPress sites. Mm -hmm. It's all 
they only touch HTML and CSS. Rarely they'll put a little bit of, um, they'll get into the PHP, you know, having to change a command or something, but it, mostly it's just HTML and CSS. And with just a basic knowledge, they can create usable sites that they can give off to clients. Like they can give that to somebody else. And it's not that much, um, it's not that hard to learn those basic things to create a large outcome. So for me, it's worth it because I know my students are, you know, have a range of desires after they graduate. And I want the students who aren't looking to go to, you know, into the tech world to be able to produce digital media. No, that makes perfect sense. And I think that's why I keep oscillating between everything mm -hmm. is because I'm, since, you know, from doing this podcast, I'm interviewed quite a few people who work in firms, in larger firms, and I haven't really done a lot of interviews with, like, the small boutique firms who maybe, like, they need to do that kind of stuff in-house. So mm -hmm. I think I've got my per perspective skewed to, mm -hmm. you know, one type of student outcome mm -hmm. <laughs> job-wise. And I think for me it's also a little bit based on the fact that I run a small studio. Mm -hmm. And so I generally don't get clients, you know, it's for arts and culture. And I generally don't get clients that have large enough budgets that I can hire a developer. And so a lot of times I have to use WordPress and their sites are WordPress. And so it's, <laughs> and it works out pretty well, but I have to know how to, I use that. So I'm trying to, I know that it's relevant to teach the students if that's, something that I'm using in a professional setting as well. You know, here's another unscripted question. And <laughs> so how, th I, there's a lot of work out there for people mm -hmm. who can make, who can make a website on a platform like Squarespace or WordPress or any of them out there. Right. Um, so for, for you, and since I actually, I don't know, I've never set up a word a, a square a square space site, but I've done WordPress. Mm -hmm. I've built themes from scratch from WordPress, so that's how I would approach it. I mean, mm -hmm. but so how do you teach WordPress? Do you teach them how to like get like a bare bones theme and then like go at it from that? Exactly. Yes. Okay. So they will. I have a couple, you know, theme themes that I think are very versatile. And mm -hmm. so I'll tell them as part of like course fees, they have to buy these themes and they can then hack those themes. They're very basic. Mm -hmm. So it just has the underlying structure and then they build the aesthetics from scratch. Um, yeah. So they don't have to learn how to write PHP or too much detail into databases and CMS, but they understand the basics of it. Um, and it works out pretty well in that they get a high reward for that amount of effort, the, the amount of effort that they put into it. They create these functional sites that can really, like really work. <laughs> and maybe it's just my small school, um, setting, but having that type of tangible reward for the work they're putting in shows proves to be really beneficial for the morale of the class. Well, I I don't think it's just your school. I think 
this I think every every educator, whether they'll admit it or not, is out there wrestling with these same kind of things because, you know, WordPress isn't that old, um, mm-hmm. and and the and the ability it, for it to be a robust CMS and have these templates that are that that it almost turns it into like a drag and drop once you get into the <laughs> admin panel are mm-hmm. are even newer yet. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, I, I think people, I think educators, myself included, just really haven't thought about that. Is that a real, is that a real, is that a viable option for students? And I think it is. Um, and how do you go about that? How do you wrestle with like, well, they're not designing the design from scratch because they are manipulating somebody else's mm-hmm. design. So I don't think we've thought about those things as a, as a whole. Mm-hmm. Maybe I just bought into the hacking, uh, you know, idea. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. I just, I like that they can take something that's already there and manipulate it into something that they want it to be. And a lot of times it's, it's them thinking outside of their, the normal, their normal way of thinking about things because, you know, whoever wrote the original code has a certain perspective or they write it in a certain way and then they have to figure it out. And it's in, it's enjoyable to watch them go through that thought process of breaking it down and trying to figure it out. And technology does change so rapidly that the skill of them figuring out how to do it from, for themselves from what's already out there is almost as valuable as the actual technology or the actual um, interface that they're learning, right? If mm-hmm. WordPress falls off, you know, the cliff in a couple years, they're still going to have the ability that they or the knowledge that they gained in figuring out something, figuring something out that they didn't know before. And it to me it doesn't really matter what the technology is or what it is, if it's Square Squarespace or WordPress, it it's more about the uh, like autonomous learning mm-hmm. and figuring something out on the spot. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so you did mention uh, technology. So mm-hmm. I'm going to throw out there. So personally, right now, I have my students use brackets for the coding the HTML and CSS. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, like I said, I'm considering to like completely switching to just using CodePen. Mm-hmm. So they don't have to like learn the front end development. So they all they have mm-hmm. to really learn have to learn is like the, you know, the HTML, the CSS. So anyway, um, so I see that you're personally using Muse and Edge Animate and Dreamweaver, or at least that's what you have listed in your syllabus. Is yeah. that a, is that <laughs> is that just a I haven't deleted it yet, or is that you know the ones that you choose? No, that's what the school pays for, and so I uh, use it. <laughs> no, they I mean, buy all the yeah. students' membership, uh, Creative Cloud, and um, yeah, so it's it's what we have. It's yeah. our resources. So, <laughs> well, I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with Dreamweaver because I mean, it is technically a text editor, editor, yeah, and it's now built. It's now using the brackets base as its text editor. You just got to. Mm-hmm remind them that it's not a drag it's not as drag and drop as they would like it to be (laughs) yeah they don't really use it at all 
in the design mode. They do mm-hmm. the code or you know, the split screen mode for that. I think it's beneficial because they can code and see it instantly. Mm -hmm. They don't have to save and refresh. Mm -hmm. Um, at least for that beginning level, it's nice to have that instantaneous, even though it's off most of the time, which is another lesson, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) It changes between different browsers and devices and it's another lesson for them. That's why I like the, brackets and it's lot and it has that little live preview so they don't have to like constantly refresh and they can just like toggle back and forth between the two mm-hmm. windows but again same almost just like i said almost the same thing um mm-hmm. as dreamweaver now one thing that i struggle with when i assign web projects and i'm not sure why it's with web projects and not the same with print but um, it has to do with the content for the site. Mm-hmm. How do you get your students? Do you give them the content? Do you ask them to create the content? Um, there's a little bit of both. How do you go about that? So this I stole from UIC, mm-hmm. <laughs> my first project which I don't know any educators that don't steal their projects from their educators. Oh, we all do. Um, <laughs> but the first project I did in that class was based on recipes uh, mm-hmm. because content is so that content is so easy to get. They can go on it. There's a million cooking websites online um, and it's easy to copy and paste that type of content and they're more likely to grab it that way. So it's based on, the first one where they're just learning how to make uh, their static designs into um, coded sites or coded designs, Um, they make recipe cards. So they take one recipe and they learn basic things like how to do an unorganized list, how to do an organized list. And it's good for that because there's, you know, unorganized content, which would be the ingredients and then there's organized content which is the directions um and it's it seems to have all of the basic things that you need to learn in html which is you know how to do lists and how to do um yeah it's how to organize content there's a lot of organizing content in a recipe and then we just built on that. They took their recipe and they made a cooking website out of it because it was a natural step and they didn't have to change gears completely, um, trying to keep something constant. And the next site is personal portfolio sites Mm -hmm. because they all have a vested personal interest in that. (laughs) They all want one anyway, so they're more likely to put effort into it. Um, into get getting the content for it and it's their personal content so they can make it up and it's okay you know (laughs) i'm wondering if this is a regional thing because i used to live in chicago and i used to teach at columbia college chicago and i taught web there and one of the projects was a portfolio website and yes that was like the one that they were most invested in you know that was like they put all the work into but here at umbc and in Baltimore, when I had them do portfolio websites, there just wasn't the same enthusiasm about it. Really? That's, re- that's very interesting. The, the only 
Now, the only reason that that might be the case that I'm thinking about now that I said it out loud is at Columbia College, the generally they took that web class almost at the same time they're taking their senior portfolio project, you know, senior, you know, like the senior portfolio class. So they've got like a load of content that they're pretty proud of and, and ready to dump in. We're here at, at UMBC are the first web class is they're, they're, you know, there's a good possibility that they're taking it their first semester, their sophomore year. So they really have nothing to put in it. That makes sense. In the way. And so I don't know, yeah. I'm just wondering if that might be the difference, but but yeah, that it, makes sense. The students are taking, my students are taking web one, the first semester of their junior year. Okay. So they have quite a bit and it's the third project. So by that point, they've at least done a couple, they have a couple things from that semester that they could put in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's interesting. I bet you that is the reason why they're more you know, anxious about the fact that they don't have a lot. <laughs> Yeah. It it. Uh, yeah. It's that whole procrastination thing. Like oh, we're sophomores. We don't need a, we don't need a right. website portfolio. <laughs> I'm not graduating for another year and a half, two years or whatever. Yeah. It's probably that. Um, so again, like reading through your materials online, um, can you talk about the research presentation that you have in web one? So what are the students presenting? What are the mm -hmm. research prompts? You know, so I have just a list of digital media artists and designers that I have them research. And it's, you know, very broad range of people um, and or studios. And it's not basic web design firms. It's a lot of times kind of crazy things. Like I have them researching Casey Reyes, right? Like I want them to know the possibilities and the crazy applications to design and technology and um, letting them see what is possible if they wanted to continue working in it. And so that was the goal of the research presentations is to almost ignite a little bit of fire to see, for them to see what can be done and what cool things are being done. Um, yeah. So I just, you know, collected a list of people that I enjoy their work and made them do research on them. Okay. And a lot of them are, are pretty broad, you know, it's, they're no. not all, yeah. you know, <laughs> no, that completely makes sense. And, um, a lot, I I did those two back when it was back when it was print, but like you know the pioneers of print design, not like the the avant garde. We'll use that term, the mm -hmm. avant garde of print design, and and we did that. No, when I read it, I was thinking like, okay, you're making them go out there and do user research or mm -hmm. things like user testing, and I was wondering if that's what that was. So that's something that we're doing now in Web two. So okay. I'm starting that right now. I've revamped web two this year, not a ton. The projects are the same, but how I'm teaching them is different. Um, and so they're working on their prototypes for an app right now. And we are, we pushed up the timeline and they have to have round one of a prototype and then they have to do user testing and then they have to revamp it from the user testing. So 
that's new for my class this year. What do you do? Well, what kind of user testing? But let's even back. But you also <laughs> said, so what kind of user testing? <laughs> what kind of specific user research? And also, um, when you say prototypes, are you talking about like clickable type, clickable prototypes like you would make with Envision or Adobe XD? So um, I guess I can take a step back and say the second class, which we call Web 2, mm -hmm. is more like digital product design. Yeah. The first project is they find an existing uh, product and find the faults in it and you know, analyze it and figure out ways that they would improve it. And that's the first project. And the second project is they find a problem that they have on campus um, and or that they personally have and create uh, and I generate an idea for an app from that. So mm -hmm. uh, one student is creating a roommate's um, bills and chore splitting app. Um, and so it's, it's things that they have access to the users, um, and <laughs> so that they can do, um, analysis and research on, you know, their roommates or people on campus, um, for, for just for the ease of introducing them to that idea mm -hmm. that this is, um, this is going to be used by somebody that's not just you, um, but that those people are accessible and, it's new for me, so I would love insights or feedback on how to do it better. But the first round of the app was uh, on paper. So their first prototype were paper prototypes. They cut them out and made videos of, you know, somebody else not in the class using their paper prototypes. And, you know, it was entertaining to watch because they were just like slapping papers down trying to keep up um and they learned a lot from those first rounds of user testing on paper and then they're building it in sketch and putting it in in vision oh yes <laughs> well that's that's okay the that that's interesting that you're that you're not using adobe okay the reason i find it interesting you're not using adobe xd is i actually prefer sketch and so I would rather have yes. my students use Sketch, <laughs> but Adobe XD is free because everybody else has to have Adobe CC. Mm -hmm. So we did experience design last year, and there have there hasn't been any major updates to it, and yeah. there aren't the capabilities that are necessary to make a viable prototype. So <laughs> listen to that, Adobe. <laughs> so we. You know, I made every student go out and buy a version of Sketch. <laughs> I, I'm glad you I, said that. I think is good. <laughs> no, I'm really glad you said that because Adobe fumbled around for three years before they even entered the market. When they entered the market, they... I understand the, like the, like the slow methodical approach to it. Like, you know, we don't know what we really need, so let's just like build it a bit at a time. But the sketch is like every plugin. I mean, the the community is like throwing plugin after plugin after plugin at that thing, um, mm -hmm. and Adobe just is not keeping up. Mm -mm. And not only should they be keeping up, they should be actually leading the pack. But 
Mm-hmm. So it's, I, I'm, I'm always frustrated with like, uh, I want to be able to just, I don't want to make my students pay for it, but at the same time, it's, it's the one that works <laughs> best. It is. And you know what? It's going to be the most beneficial experience that they get yeah. from that class, right? So getting sketch and learning how to use that program is going to be more beneficial to them than using and learning experience design. You know, if they can go to an employer and say, I've worked in sketch, you know, that's worth the, what is it? $50. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, it's ridiculously cheap and I mean, <laughs> they don't even have to upgrade it. I mean, <laughs> they switched that like subscription thing where it's like now it's $50 a year, mm-hmm. but you don't have to up, even if you, if you don't choose to upgrade it, it still stays the same. Mm-hmm. All right. And all right. So at UMBC, our interactive course, um, it's or web design course is part of a BFA mm-hmm. with a, with a concentration in graphic design. So I constantly struggle to balance visual design, the mm-hmm. training of it, with user experience and, you know, the front-end development. So from mm-hmm. looking over your course syllabus and website, it looks like you are concentrating more on front-end development and visual design in Web 1 and not so much on user experience. And then it looks like in Web 2, that's where it's like visual design dominant with an introduction to user experience. So is that accurate? Yes. And is that by choice? (laughs) Yes. Um, I think they have a difficult time doing all the things at once. And so, which, I mean, who doesn't, honestly? Um, And I want them to feel, you know, comfortable enough to try and fail at the coding part of it and the front end development of it before they start to get discouraged, they get discouraged. So if I'm not harping on how it looks and just helping them figure out how it works, then they're going to learn that skill set instead of being distracted by the other one. And we'll do little, you know, a little bit of, you know, I can't read the blue text on red type of thing if it's atrocious, but um, it's more about figuring out how to, you know, make a heading (laughs) than it is to, is that heading large enough or is that body text too small? And so visual and user experience is lower on the list of uh, priorities in the first class. And the second class is flipping it so that they already have that basic understanding of how responsive website works and how, you know, people, you know, read content on web because we read don't, uh, don't make me think. And so they're starting to build on that knowledge and it uh, piggybacks on that class and is more about how does the aesthetics, how do the aesthetics influence the usability? So in product design, in physical product design, we know how to use something because, you know, a button, it looks like a button, so we know to push it. And so we're going in that direction, which is when you don't have the tactile experience, the visual aesthetic of it tells the user how it should be used. And so we're balancing more in that direction of 
why are why is your circle why is your button a circle why isn't it um a square you know what does that communicate to somebody who's using it are they supposed to spin it or are they supposed to push it and we're trying to figure out what how visuals communicate messages to people i could list off all kinds of um issues i struggle with when trying to teach responsive web design mm -hmm. and in, in most of these previous episodes i've like you know like said what i struggle with um but I'd like to know about some of your own struggles, mm -hmm. you know, like first, like maybe with the course design itself or then about the concepts, you know, maybe no, or, you know, like no matter how hard you try the students, you know, either slow to catch on or they like, you know, don't get it at all. So mm -hmm. what are your pressure would, points? <laughs> yeah, I would like two TAs in my class. <laughs> That's like, that would make the class so much nicer. I think my biggest struggle is there are, what, 15, 16 students in the course, and one of me, and each of them is at a vastly different level. Some people catch on so quickly, and it's, you know, they are learning this language, and it's there. They get it. They may get hung up on something, but they have they think in the way that they can figure it out and then there's the students that just don't get it <laughs> they don't get it at all and <laughs> then there's you know various stages in between and you have to manage that as a, a teacher mm -hmm. and figure out how to make it the best experience for each of them so that each of them is improving and doing you know getting the most out of the course that they individually can. And for me, that is a huge battle. <laughs> um, if there was somebody that could, uh, if I had like a technical support, that would be great. <laughs> I try to um, get them to work together as much as, as possible so that, um, you know, they share with the person next to them at the beginning of class, like what are, what are you struggling with right now? What are you struggling with? So they can help each other a little bit. And that alleviates some of the stress for on me having to run around. But um, <laughs> it's, it's pretty wild. And, you know, the, the students oftentimes who don't get it suck up so much time. And it's a shame because the students who do get it deserve, you know, to be challenged more. And to be able to push it, it's a, it's a difficult, yeah, it's difficult for me to manage that. No. And, and let me ask if this sounds familiar to you. Um, so I used to teach in the class, in the classroom, they'd come in and we would do an HTML and a CSS demo step and repeat, you know, all the way through the course of the semester. But I had a lot of, either students coming in late <laughs> or students not coming at all, mm -hmm. but they would, but not enough to fail the course, but enough that it was like a substantial amount of absences. Mm -hmm. So I had that's going on and I was like, what is, what is going on? What is going on? And I was like, maybe it's just the, the, the university or whatever. Maybe it's just the region. And, um, so I, what I did was it, I've, you heard of the term flip the classroom. Is that like where maybe you you 
uh, record how to do it and then they come in and work on it in class is that yep so okay. <laughs> I, so all of my demos that i would used to do i made them into screencasts okay. and that's their homework is you're gonna go home you're gonna follow along with these series of screencasts and you're gonna learn html and css in the screencasts lo and behold the first semester I do that, I no longer have students. I mean, students were more on time and they missed less classes. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that I can think, because I, I couldn't, you know, you can, I ask until I'm blue in the face, but um, the most I can come up with is just the fact that, like you said, the students that get it are bored out of their minds. The mm -hmm. students that don't get it are embarrassed <laughs> mm -hmm. and don't want to come and then you got the middle ground who like yeah whatever they're just fine so does that whole thing sound familiar to you yes okay i think that's a great idea i hadn't really considered it yet that's great and well, it's kind of a lot of less pressure for you because i mean i don't know about you but lecturing is never like my favorite <laughs> i don't really like to do that so then you don't have to worry about talking in front of them <laughs> <laughs> for me it was born out of just like you know frustration on at the end of each semester they weren't producing any design that we could, that was worthy of a critique mm -hmm. because they just didn't have the skills and mm -hmm. no matter what I could do no matter how hard I tried no matter how many different ways I revamped things or you know shifted things the end result was the same as like the end result was something that wasn't able, wasn't good, quite good enough to start a dialogue about what is good interactive mm -hmm. design. So I said, screw it. I'll just, they can just do this as homework. They can learn the medium of HTML and CSS. And then we'll just do, we'll like go through the whole interactive design process from all the way from ideation all the way through to like the mm -hmm. final clickable prototype and actually the final client presentation. Cause I don't, I make them like present it like they're presenting it to a client. So they're not mm -hmm. sitting there doing Mike Montero's um, navigate um, real estate tour where you, they sit there and describe what it looks like. <laughs> that's a smart idea. Yeah. And I, so, the whole th that's a great idea. I'm, I'm going to try it. No, please. Cause it, <laughs> it, it basically doubled the amount of class. Mm -hmm. it, it was that simple. And I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> um, and I, and, and what feedback, little feedback I did get from my students was, Oh my God, we love it. Cause we can stop the video. We can replay mm -hmm. the video. Um, you know, and I managed to get enough of them to like, give me enough feedback so I could get the pacing right on things. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So anyway, it, it worked for me and I highly recommend it because it just doubles your output. Mm -hmm. And it gives them an opportunity to learn how to use a tutorial because yeah. when you're not in school, that's how you learn things. <laughs> yeah. So that's great. Oh, you know, another, so the other source of frustration with me was, so I would teach them this stuff in class when I was doing it in class. And even the students who were like, 
the really good ones like were able to produce like something like you know hey this is like a portfolio worthy website that you coded from scratch they'd come back to me a semester or two later like how do i do this again <laughs> yeah <I was> like, <laughs> are you kidding me and so there was the the the, the permanent the the permanence of what i was teaching wasn't mm -hmm. there either and so this is the other way to solve it is those videos are up there they can go they can reference them whenever they need to yeah and there's a level of autonomy in their learning they mm -hmm. have ownership over it in that way um you're it even though you're still telling them how to do it yeah they have to seek out that uh that time right so it's more like they're figuring it out themselves i love it that's a great idea just a couple more questions before i let you go because i don't want to monopolize too too much of your time <laughs> um I think it's unrealistic for any educator to teach visual design, user experience, and front-end development in a single class. Mm -hmm. um, like like we've just been discussing, there's just too much to do, too little time. So since these are all skills that are necessary for most designers entering the field, if you could just like, you know, wave, wave the magic wand, what would your ideal curriculum look like? Or at a minimum, let we let's you know, let's be honest. We're lucky if we're going to be able to carve out between two to four classes of our own mm -hmm. uh, within a, an existing curriculum. So, I agree. It's too much to have anybody focus on learning a new skill and remembering all of the other skills that they've had at the same time. It's too hard to focus on multiple things at, that many multiple things at the same time, and. It seems like you know all the educators that I've talked to and that you um, and you've been echoing this as well is that we just focus on one part of it in this course or a, another part of it in another course. And it could be nice to have you know three separate courses. One is we're gonna learn visual design for web and it's not gonna work. None of the things are gonna work. You're gonna learn how to create aesthetics that means something that would work well in web. I don't know. This would need to be tested because I do think that there's knowledge that you gain from making a website that you would have never thought of yeah. if you didn't. But also then a course, so maybe visual design does come second. Um, but then another course that is just front end development and it takes the pressure off of trying to make it look good when you don't know how to make anything at all. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's when their taste level is higher than their skill level, it, it leads to a lot of frustration. And so to take the aesthetics off the table completely in a course and then have, um, you know, user experience, um, as a third emphasis. So maybe it's, you know, those all do exist in every single course, but one is emphasized heavily, more heavily in, mm -hmm. in that. I think that's how I would do it. Probably should have thought about that more. <laughs> no, I mean, it is, I, I'm actually kind of, I think at UMBC we're kind of the same way. We have, well, not yet. We have two courses, but um, we're, I'm, I'm fighting the good fight to hopefully get a third. <laughs> and, and that's exactly how me and another colleague discussed we would, we would split it up too, is like there would be like this, this basic introduction to the medium of the web um, and I know that doesn't, you know, the medium of app development is different, but I think it, there's enough similarities that 
that's enough. And then, you know, do that, then go into like, let's just focus on the visuals. Um, and then they'll have a little bit of coding experience where they can actually make some of those visuals and say like, oh yeah, what I, what I am making does work. And mm-hmm. then, you know, ended up with like, now that they can make something and then, you know, visually sophisticated, let's introduce this idea of like, what you, is it purposeful? Does it make sense to the user? So mm-hmm. we, I, I kind of agree in the same way is that you need that mm-hmm. minimum of three courses to like give any kind of permanence to the learning that, you know, of those three different, but equally important things. Mm-hmm. So. Right. And I think it's a lot about their, you know, emotional and mental states. When you, <laughs> when you try to teach it all at once, it's not going to work because they can't emotionally and mentally handle that. Um, even if they're, capable of learning that they're capable of learning it, but to have to focus on all three things at once is just too much. I mean, I know in our, in my web design one class, we, once a week we spend, you know, 20 minutes of the class at the beginning of class, just talking out our frustrations with our projects. Mm -hmm. And that's helped the morale of the class and made them do way better in the actual making part of the class because they've addressed their frustrations and then, uh, you know, had a little bit of catharsis and then could get into just figuring it out and talking it out. They've talked it out together as well. And it's, it's made the class more enjoyable first and also more productive. But the motivation of splitting those things up for me would be that it takes that mental pressure off of the students so that they can really focus on learning and maintaining that knowledge. No, that's that, that makes so much sense because I, I like, I feel like I'm like part like Zen master mm-hmm. and like when, cause they, they freak out. I mean, they're, they're mm-hmm. completely freaking out. It's like not working because like you said, that whole idea, like they're what they can picture in their mind, they can't anywhere close to produce. Mm-hmm. And so it's just that, that frustration, like, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's like, you're not supposed to, why would mm-hmm. you, you don't have the skills yet. You know, and you're constantly like remind them like you're working towards a greater, oh uh, yeah, no, it's educators need to get in a room and sit down and have like a, <laughs> a cathartic moment about dealing <laughs> with the student's own anxiety. Right. I've never <laughs> had to be as Zen, right? You are, you're right. It's like a Zen master. They are freaking out. You have to be like, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. And there's a lot of mid, you know, project uh, reminders that I have to make to them, which is like, just look at how far you've come. Remember when you started this class, you had no knowledge of what HTML was. Mm -hmm. And now you've made a website. That's huge. (laughs) You need that encouragement. They need that encouragement. We all do, right? A little bit of affirmation along the way. It's... Oh yeah. And yeah. it goes a long way. <laughs> yeah. No, just that, that rational, like, Hey, look, I'm asking you to do something that you don't know how to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just because you're a designer doesn't mean that you should know how to do this yet. Um, all right, Lauren. So I don't want to keep you any longer, but just before I let you go, I ask the same question of all my, my listeners. So is there anything that you are working on personally Mm-hmm. that you would like to share or promote 
or if there's anything that we didn't cover that you want to like, hey, I want to talk about this for a, for a bit. Open well, mic. <laughs> <laughs> um, the thoughts that are consuming me right now is that next weekend, next week, Thursday, it was April 21st, mm-hmm. 22nd, 23rd. Um, I'm working on a conference for socially engaged arts practices here in Chicago called Open Engagement, and it's all-consuming uh, for the past few weeks and it's next weekend. So that's all I can think about right now. <laughs> well, it's well, nice to have a little break. So thanks. <laughs> I'm, I'm in a similar boat as you. Um, I'm also, um, a, 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 AIJ Baltimore's education director and we do a, um, a two day kind of thing where on Friday we have a series of, you know, studio tours. And then on Saturday we have our student, uh, conference where there's we have three speakers in the morning we have lunch and then we you know have an afternoon full of portfolio reviews so and I'm obviously the one spearheading that so <laughs> today was my like you know like my break from the madness that's gonna you know like the final details so can you like, <laughs> so who do you do this this project with the social art thing that you just said in Chicago so it's called open engagement it's a conference and it was uh, founded, yes, it was founded by uh, Jen Dalos Reyes. She's currently uh, at UIC School of Art and Art History, and it's her project. And I've been working with Jen as a designer for various projects that she's working on for the School of Art and Art History um, for a couple years. And so um, I came on as the creative director for the conference, and it has been a wild ride. It's going to be really exciting. You should look it up. There's so many events, <laughs> so many. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm looking it up now because I know about the conference, and I don't know why. <laughs> and I I don't know if it's just because I lived in Chicago or. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this anyway. is the this is the first time it's in Chicago. I believe it's been going all all over portland oakland next year will be in new york yes Uh, i presented it like one of the ones in portland many years ago awesome (laughs) that's why i remembered open (laughs) engagement but when i just always assumed it was in portland so that's why i just didn't Mm -hmm. think to connect the dots all right i'm good i know why now (laughs) but i'll put that in the show notes for people to check out awesome it's openengagement.info if you can't make it this year there's always next year. Yes, and they always, and <laughs> at least in the past, uh, for listeners, they would um, put out a call for you know presenters and speakers, and so I ended mm-hmm. up putting in a putting in one for some of the socially engaged uh, work I was doing with one of the classes. So check it out. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's good for it's it, it's good to check out anyway for the listeners. <laughs> All right, thank you. All right, Lauren. So. That's all we have time for today on episode 45 to Design EDU Today. I want to thank today's guest, Lauren Miranda, for being so generous with her time. I want to thank the audience for listening, and I want to thank the Design EDU Today hosting sponsor DigitalOcean and CDN sponsor Fastly for making the hosting and distribution of these podcasts possible. I also want to thank the AIGA and the AIGA Design Educators community for their generous support of my research that led to this podcast series. If you like this podcast, consider leaving a review for it in the iTunes store and share it with your colleagues and friends. To discover more about the Design EDU Today podcast 
and read the session notes and transcripts, visit the show website at designedu.today. To keep up with new show releases, you can follow us on Twitter at designedu today, like the Facebook page, or subscribe to this podcast through the iTunes or Google Play Store. Finally, if you would like to suggest topics for future episodes or give feedback to help improve the show, contact me through Twitter or through the show's email address at hello at designedu.today. Once again, thank you for listening to Design EDU Today. <laughs>